I started with a site where the foundation was installed. They drop all the boards by. And in a week, I could get three or four guys and we would build a complete house and we were finished and we were pulling away. We could look back and say, we did that. I loved that. I still love to ride around the community and see things I've created and built. Welcome to another episode of the Interesting People podcast. Today, I'm joined by Marvin Osherman of the Osherman Family Foundation. Funny enough, I've talked to a lot of people about the Osherman family, and I have kind of like a 50-50 split of people who haven't heard of you guys. For someone that hasn't managed to hear of the Osherman Family Foundation, what's its story? My father really modeled for me supporting the community. He was a longtime participant in various boards, local aid banks, church government uh, planning agencies. And regularly, he would make annual contributions at the end of the year to various organizations like the YMCA and the church. And I was very involved in that with him. So I wanted to continue that support of the community. This is the community where I had my financial success, and I want to return to the community some results of that success. Rather than, you know, so many people want to give money out of the area. And my foundation is a community-based foundation. We really focus on the vast majority of our giving in Frederick County. The second reason was to have my family involved in philanthropy. My son's a member of the Board of Trustees. My daughter's a member of the Board of Trustees. And my stepson is a member of the Board of Trustees. So we're about half and half family members and community leaders on my board. So that was the goal, get back to my community, have my family involved in it. One of the things that I heard about the foundation is that it's a spend-down foundation. What made you decide that? Yes, it's definitely a spend-down foundation, as opposed to a foundation that is a legacy foundation where somebody might put $5 million into a foundation and say they want to keep the $5 million in place and only contribute the earnings. We take another approach, and it's a spend-down, and the idea is to spend down the foundation, have the foundation be zero net worth at the end of my life. The reason for that is I am more interested in being involved in the selection of the places that the money would go and personally working with my community to improve things than I am to allow it to kind of meddle along for many years while other people try to decide what to do. I've noticed you have a big involvement in the arts. Did you have an arts background or is it something that you really enjoy? Do you feel like that's one of the best ways to really help out Frederick? People often ask me, what of the arts are you passionate about? And I say, well, really, I'm passionate about my community. Tried to do some insight generally into the community and felt that the performing arts are underserved. We have an excellent visual arts organization, the Dell Plain Center. The Weinberg Center does an excellent job of presenting artists, bringing artists from the outside. There wasn't a performing arts organization that really concentrated more on the smaller performances, the more diverse, unique market, and having the community arts organizations perform, the dance groups, the singing groups, the local groups, and having maybe local performers there, musical groups. And that's definitely a big part of the mission of the Newspire Arts Theater. What are your big hopes for that location? Oh, my big hope is that that building will seat about 250 people, maybe 300 for a banquet type of event. It's busy every night of the week. Two or three of those nights are revenue-generating nights where we make a little bit of money. Maybe two or three of the nights are 
community nights where there's community organizations using the facility, paying a small fee, but not necessarily covering our expenses. And then there's other nights that might be unique. We're working with a really fine team to have maybe a jazz or a regional musical performance group come and entertain. I'd like to see it very intensely used by the community. Are there any shows in particular you'd like to see there yourself? You had quite the mix of the groundbreaking from tango to poets to actually a clown emceeing the event. I want to see diversity brought to the community. Some things that don't exist here now, maybe some things that don't exist and should be here, like that musical performance could be a weekly thing, like the Ram's Head that we have in Virginia, maybe not that level, but a level that Frederick likes and wants to see. One of the things that caught me off guard in my interview with Julian about New Spire Arts was the idea that you guys wanted to fill the gaps. What led you to want to supplement things that are happening in this area instead of trying to do something better than other people? We don't want to compete with anybody else. Absolutely not. You know, we have a great visual arts organization. I have been very adamant from the beginning that we are not to compete with the visual arts organizations. We have a lot of dance groups in the town. We're not going to create a dance company doing the same thing they do. We're not going to create a in-house production unit that creates staffs and puts on plays ourselves because the MET, the Maryland Ensemble Theater, does a great job of that. We can tap on them. We're not trying to make any one industry bigger or better, but we're certainly also not trying to harm them in any way. We're in neutral. We really want to do what the community wants us to do. And it'll take us a several years to kind of flush that out, to try to understand what a 250-seat theater can be best used in the community. Is one of your hopes of having the art space and the stage space at the same time that maybe some of the people that come in out of town to teach classes at the art center could also then do a performance at the stage at the same time or shortly afterwards? Oh, yeah. We do have two facilities, one where we're going to put a theater. We're calling that Stages. That's right across from uh, Weinberg. And then we have the other building on 115 East Church Street that we're calling Spaces. And in the Spaces building, that's more focused on the performers. The Spaces building is about teaching people any kind of performing arts that they're interested in. We can possibly create a class for, provide an opportunity for a space for someone to use. We've had classes on poetry, reading, dance. But the fun one was a sword fighting. I asked Julian, I said, Julian, what, what, are you going to have a sword fighting class? He said, yes, sword fighting is a great way to teach the drama of theater and how you act on an adversarial role. I know you guys are behind the Frederick Speaker series. How did that start up? My ex-wife and I, Lisa, were going to the Baltimore Speaker Series for several years. And we said to each other, why do we have to travel down here for a speaker series? Why can't we do that in Frederick? We both got excited about it, put together a small group to explore the idea. Then the Family Foundation funded the first year at $80,000. We found a few other major contributors. I think we got over about 110 or so. Lisa kept this committee going and built a committee around selecting the programs that would be presented in the community. She had a group of about eight community leaders, community volunteers that that they would sit around for hours talking about different what kind of diversity do we want? What kind of variety of programs do we want? It's evolved now. I think we're, as you said, we're in our sixth year. I'm very proud of it. Very proud of having brought that and Lisa's leadership in that. The booking of it is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, you've had like William Shatner, you had a Jane Fonda. I know that I have tickets for the Mark Ruffalo event that's coming up. Are there any names in particular you'd like to get in the future? Who have been some of your favorite in the past? Oh, now you're going to test my memory. Cal Ripken was awesome. 
Kareeb Abdul-Jabbar was here. He was amazing his, with his stories and his conversation about his history. And then just having my picture taken with him was a thrill because I realized how tall those people are <laughs> or how short I am. I'm not sure which it was. It's an amazing human being he is and a contributor to the world, too, I must say. And I go to all of them. Absolutely all of them. With the amount of stuff that you do, you are at a whole bunch of the actual product of the foundation. Do you enjoy seeing how much stuff is popping around Frederick that is because of the family foundation? Of course, that's immensely rewarding when I remember it. But I'm always most interested once something's completed to move on to the next thing. Where can we help best and most in the next area that the community needs. And I'm looking forward to finding a new major project after the new Spar Arts facilities are operating. Is that sense also what made you such a successful builder? Is the construction aspect of all of this thing that really keys into your personality? I think so very much. It's my nature. One of my challenges is to celebrate an accomplishment. For me, once I have accomplished something, I can put it aside and move on to the next project. I don't need to celebrate it. I want to find something else to challenge me. So, you know, when we started finishing up a residential community a couple years before we finished it, I got to start finding another place to create another community. In the residential business, it takes about three years from the time you get a contract on something until you can actually be moving dirt and building houses. So I always had to look ahead, look for the next thing. How did you get involved in construction? I was in it growing up. My dad started his construction business in 1951, the year I was born. And the business was located in our home until I was in college. So it was always construction in my life. My father was a home builder and a developer. He started developing about the 10th year of his business. And in those times, the home builder had to be the developer too, because there wasn't a class of people or group of people who did development like today. Home builders are usually not the developer. So there's a community of folks out there that develop the ground, and there's a community of folks that build the houses. But I grew up with it. My first job was working with one of my father's crews in the summer, for prepping for pouring concrete, preparing foundations for houses, doing that stuff that you know many people didn't want to do, but that's just what was necessary as a part of the home building experience. And so my dad wanted to teach me what real work was like, he used to say. And then my most fun times, and people will ask me often when you have the most fun, was somewhere in my late teens, early 20s, when... I was a frame crew supervisor, superintendent, I guess we called them. I could build a house in a week. I started with a site where the foundation was installed. They drop all the boards by, trusses. And in a week, I could get three or four guys, and we would build a complete house. And we were finished, and we were pulling away. We could look back and say, we did that. I loved that. I still love to ride around the community and see things I've created and built. What are some of your favorite buildings in this Frederick? Because Frederick is so beautiful to look at, especially if you walk around and see all the different kind of architecture. What are some of your favorite buildings, both that you've made or you just appreciate in town? What am I most proud of that we created? Probably would be my residential communities, Deerfield and Walkersville, Waterside on Route 26, the Clover Hills. We developed all three of the Clover Hills and built all the homes in those. And then that's a fabulous history. There's about 30 years tagging from the beginning to end. Well, it's more than that. It's probably 40. And then Whittier, my community on the west end of town. Those are all very notable, large, full-service 
very desirable communities to live in. And because we did the proper planning, we were sensitive to what the residential community folks wanted to live in, and we provided it for them, and it worked out. I had a lot of fun creating the architecture in each one of the communities. So the last 20 years of my building career, we were creating all of our own house plans and finishes it in the house. I had a great team of people helping me do that. A lot of creativity in all of those things. So commercial buildings, I have not done any large commercial buildings. I really focused my career on residential. My father in the early years, if you want to be a builder in Frederick County, you had to build houses and do whatever commercial was available. So a lot of times people he had built houses for asked them to come in and do work in their commercial establishment. How much has the building or designing houses changed over the course of your career? You know, when we first started in the home building business, most homes were mostly brick. That was the most durable material. We didn't have good siding products at the time that didn't need a lot of maintenance. So people would put brick on the house, no maintenance forever. As times evolved further, now they're mostly siding. We have great siding materials that last a long time, hold their color, require very little maintenance, and it's a lot less expensive than masonry. So that's a very large change. There's been a lot of other subtle changes in the industry, but they have all been actually very gradual. Ceiling fixtures became unpopular because the ceiling fixture light across the ceiling and makes the defects in the paint and the drywall work highlighted. So builders stopped using it for that reason. The shocking thing, I can remember back in the 70s, joking with someone saying, you know, oh my God, we just built an 1800 square foot house. Wow, next thing you know, there will all be 2,000 square feet. Well, today, they're more like 2,600 square feet. Homes have kept getting bigger. I believe we're in a time where they're going to be getting smaller, more practical, more efficient. What are the big challenges of making like a house that huge? Is there any kind of weird thing that goes into building that? Oh, a lot of patience. The most difficult part of the home building development industry now is getting government approval for projects. Government sees residential development as the reason for the overcrowding of schools and roadways. Well, the reality is developers don't create schools and developers don't improve roads. That's government's responsibility. But they use us, the home building industry, as the excuse for them having not spent the money and not been responsible in their areas. So there's a sense in the community that developments are a problem for a community, and it's incredibly difficult to create a community today. It can take a year just to get preliminary conceptual approval. It's phenomenal how many times you have to go back, how much information you have to provide, how many criticisms and critiques it goes through, both with government agencies, with committees, and then the public's allowed to participate. But it's a part of our life. It's how we collaborate and work with the community. I do have to ask, kind of goofy-wise, did you enjoy swinging that big golden hammer? I did. Oh, my God, you noticed that, didn't you? Oh, yeah. (laughs) You could see the smile from across the room. That was a part of my younger years as a framer. You know, I I used a big hammer and we drove big nails. We carried big boards. And the times when I spent with my father's crews preparing foundations like that was shovels and sledgehammer days. Uh, Yes, I, I genuinely enjoyed all of that. It provided a great background for me, too. What are some of the things that the Family Foundation hasn't gotten into that you are still planning on? Or is that something where that's all hush hush until you actually announce it? 
there's several projects that we're thinking about, but we need to get through some of the ones we have going now before we start anything new. And I don't like to start something new until I'm fully prepared to deal with the issues around it. There's always a community of folks that support you, and there's always a community that do not support you. And I want to have them informed and knowledgeable about the facts before rumors start. Is that one of the biggest challenges of running a family foundation? No. If you're going to be a catalyst, if you're going to create new things from from something that didn't exist, that's important. We spend a tremendous amount of time making contributions and grants to organizations. We granted 73 organizations last year, a million two dollars. Various grants, many of them are matching grants, allows the nonprofit we give money to, to basically double what we give them. The YMCA was an example of that, where we gave the YMCA a half a million dollars for their improvements after that tragedy, that huge flood that caused them, I think it was $2 million in damage. We gave them a half million dollars, and they they raised another one half million dollars because we did. That's a phenomenal impact that we can have. It's very satisfying. How do you guys pick grants? Do people apply through your website? Or are you always on the lookout for new things or more people bringing them to you? We'll look at any grant from somebody, grant request from somebody. We have a short form. They don't have to provide a lot of information that we'll screen and give them suggestions or say that's not something we do because we have some limited giving areas. But then when we're looking around, it's mostly about my entrepreneurial spirit. You know, where do I see an opportunity and what am I excited about? You ask about what's something that might be coming and it's public art. There was a building in our community I recognized a couple of years ago, be a great place for a mural. And I thought, well, you know, I could buy that building and put a mural on it. But then it occurred to me that if I put a mural there, then the whole community has to deal with my selection of the mural. And I believe the community should decide that. It should be some way to garner community support for a mural before it's done. For example, Annapolis has a fabulous public space mural program, and they had one about three years ago that was incredibly controversial. Art can be, because that's what art is. Sometimes art's realistic, and sometimes it's abstract, and it can be addressing an issue or just presenting an image. The addressing issue art is where it gets controversial. So I funded the Arts Council to take on the challenge of hiring a consultant and developing a visual arts public art program in the community. So the Arts Council's hired a consultant. He's come in. He's had about four or five, five meetings. He has another one coming up February 15th, I think for more public input, feedback. And in the end, probably in March sometime, he will deliver a final report about what is Frederick Public Art in Frederick and how should it be processed to be built. He comes from about 30 years of experience in Philadelphia. And my fiance and I went up there this past summer to see the public art. And it's incredible in that town. They have over 4,000 pieces of public art in Philadelphia. That's a big city, but that's a lot of art too. Everywhere you go, Sometimes it's the electric transformers in the corner. Sometimes it's the end of a building. Sometimes it's back in an alleyway. It's just wonderful. The life it brings to a community. We certainly have a little bit of it in Frederick with the artwork that Bill Cochran created with the guy in the window, the birds on the window, the, the glass wall up above the FSK Hotel. I mean, they're excellent examples of what some good art can be, but you wouldn't want everything to be just like that. I think the, the state dinosaur on the parking garage wall behind 
Brewer's Alley is just fabulous. It's different. It's an awakening space. The Downtown Frederick Partnership has a program to encourage improvement on our alleyways in Frederick to make them more of a interesting part of town. It's sort of the same thing Philadelphia's done. So I, I talk too much sometimes about things. Oh, no, no. I love hearing this kind of enthusiasm, this kind of energy. In fact, it kind of naturally goes into the close of every interview I do. I ask the exact same question. What has you excited? What are you really looking forward to this year? I'm excited about New Spire Arts Facility and getting construction going on that and having that open up sometime this fall. That's going to be a, a great facility. And I'm really super interested after about five years bringing this to a close where I can create the building, I'll create the space. The Family Foundation has hired the staff. You've talked to Julian, and now we have Daniel. You saw Daniel at the groundbreaking. I'm really excited about Daniel's leadership and skill set that he brings to the community. So this fall is going to be so exciting. And probably early winter, we'll start some regular programming when we're certain we've got everything all together. You know, the next project after that, the year after, maybe two years after, we'll be improving the spaces building, as we call it, the one on 115 East Church, where there'll be classes and performing arts education. One building, the stages building, is where my community will come mostly as viewers, as audience with some performers. The spaces building on Church Street is all about teaching and engaging the community in the actual, being an actual performer, not an audience member, but a performer. So they complement one another excellently, beautifully. The spaces building, I'm really excited about having it be a center for performing arts education for school children. After school, there are facilities like this in the D.C. area that we visited that they're open primarily from 3 o'clock in the afternoon till 7 o'clock at night. And they're full, just full of kids, excited, interested and doing a variety of things. Thank you so much for adding that to Frederick. Thank you so much for your time, too. Oh, it's been my pleasure. You, you can be talking about some of the things I'm working on. I just can't, don't stop sometimes. Well, very good. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Cool. We'll have a great evening and afternoon. Thank you for your time. You too. Take care.